You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big Noon Sports, featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times bestselling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. Here's Lars and Matt. All right, Matt's here. Bars you up. Let's roll. Welcome into Big Noon Sports. Hey, it's Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson. Welcome to the show. Sepp Shirey is at the helm for the final time. Sepp, are you there? Man, we're going to miss you. What are you doing? You going to ESPN? Uh, probably <laughs> I not. wish. I wish. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're hiring right now because they're firing like crazy. But I want to talk to you a little bit later on in the show. We'll get things started here, myself and Lars, about what you're going to do in your future and where you're going to end up. So hang on. I know you're looking forward to that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you've Let's put uh, them under the microscope there, man. Yeah. You've, <laughs> you've been a wonderful addition to the show. We appreciate yeah, yeah. you very much. Um, all right, Lars, this is one of those days where we got a lot of stories. I just don't know which one, and I'm just going to keep using this all over and over and over again. Which one is above the fold? <laughs> I'm going to let you decide. Hey, fire away. Which what, what, you, 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 uh, uh, you, write, you write the lead today. Okay. Uh, let's see. There's just not one that punches me out. Um, okay, let's, let's start with something funny. What is Nick Saban's favorite park in Tennessee. Have you seen this story? Do you see this story? It's great. No, I haven't. There is a small park in Collegedale, Tennessee. It's owned by a local food corporation there, and they happen to make what favorite Saban snack? You can <laughs> fill in that, right? Yeah, little the Debbie's. Little, the uh, oatmeal cream. Yeah. They have made a park where, like, the merry-go-round is an oatmeal cream, and then they have one of those Christmas tree deals, and all the Little Debbie snacks are made into some type of recreational or just something in the park. So how about that for a lead story on a Friday afternoon in the sweltering heat? Well, I've written two books on the guy, and I did not know that. So uh, that's <laughs> that I think is, they just uh, built it. Okay, all right. But he, yeah. he really does eat one every day, right? Every he's morning. A, he's a creature of habit, yes. And he has the uh, same. Didn't you tell me he has the same thing for lunch? He has the same lunch. It's a it's a turkey salad uh, in a styrofoam container. And the, the yeah, reason that he... <laughs> the reason that he has the same lunch every day is because it eliminates the need to make a decision on what have what to have for lunch. Therefore, it reduces the amount of time that you are spending away from what you, the task at hand is, right? I mean, everything in his life is do is everything in his the life process, is geared baby. toward yeah, it's geared toward maximizing his time. And time is a very precious commodity for Coach Saban, as you know. I mean, you know, he when he goes and visits a player, say in St. Louis, it's as if like it's as if like the president is coming into town because they're the the car 
is waiting for him right right outside his office. The, the, the plane is ready to go at, out at the airport, driven to the tarmac. Boom, on the plane, lands, car ready is there. Drive to the school. Uh, the, the, there's already people on the ground ready to meet him. Takes him straight to the meeting with the, the coach first, usually. Then the player, some of the player's friends. Then maybe go uh, watch some practice and, uh, you know, just make his, pres- make his presence known. And then, boom, back on the plane. And, uh, you know, for someone who is uh, 70, I don't think his internal furnace has been turned down at all. I mean, I think it's still operating a full blast, uh, to be honest. I mean, the people that that I talk to who are around the program just still marvel at uh, Coach Saban's energy. And, you know, there have been these uh, apocryphal stories, uh, stories that aren't true, uh, about how he never yawns. Well, I've seen him yawn. But uh, nonetheless, he has an immense amount. Who started that? Oh yeah, that one, that one, that one, that one's been out there for a while. Um, and, hey, let's uh, start another one. Yeah, you know, like it was reporters. We, you know, this was back when I was really uh, covering Alabama for SI, and I was down in Tuscaloosa on on campus a lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, reporters would sort of make wages of who could see him yawn uh, first <laughs> and, and try to snap a picture of it with your slow phone for, for proof. Oh, gosh, yes. There's a lot of slow days. A lot of slow days, especially uh, July. I think I think July is the slowest sports month of the year. And uh, it's uh, it's really a time when people are just talking right a lot of talk but it's also a time for dreamers because every team is undefeated every team has the potential to win the national championship uh and um you know just you're you're seeing some players start to chirp a little bit here and there and and uh i think you know certainly uh, college football fans are ready to see the season kick off but uh you know nfl training camps do start at the end of this month so as I mentioned yesterday, uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but uh, these next few weeks are usually pretty brutal. And um, see, it's gonna be get kicked off here. I think Big 12 media days are, are starting, and then uh, it's gonna be SEC media days, Big 10 media days. And uh, the thing about media days is, uh, one, it's just a circus, and it, it becomes just reporters interviewing reporters which uh, you and I both hate, but that's what we do on our show, nonetheless. Uh, but we do try to get players we and do coaches. It well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We do it different. Uh, but, that, I mean, that's essentially what uh, sports radio is. It's uh, reporters interviewing reporters. But, um, but yeah, I've always thought the SEC media days were the biggest non-story story I've ever seen. I mean, to get a, over a 1,000 credentialed media uh, and, and by media, that's in air quotes, right? Because uh, you could be covering... It's a dot-com you know, person. Oh, it, it One year I got all, shut oh, out, Lars. No. One year I got turned down. There's, there's no way you got turned yep. down for yep. credential. Yep. It was somebody new in the office, and they disposed of it. Now, and no criticism of the SEC. They get thousands of them, and I'm nobody special. Hey, one of the things we can do during the summer is take phone calls at 205 205- 
342-9904, and Joseph has done just that. And that will help us throughout the summer. Joseph, what's on your mind? Hey, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Dad, if Jalen Miro starts for Alabama, Alabama's in trouble because when teams play, uh, put their defensive ends on contain and they spy a middle linebacker and they shut down our run and Jalen Miro is only a two-read guy, Alabama is in major trouble. I'm telling you, Alabama, the answer is not Jalen Miro. I think we need to find another quarterback. Who would you select? Uh, it'd be between Ty Simpson or uh, uh, Tyler Buckner. Tyler Buckner. Okay. Uh, good and opinion. So, uh, and, I, it, yeah, it, it would be it agree. would be that did Julian Sayan got there. Boy, yeah, I I think um, real deal. I think uh, what what uh, he's expressing is uh, reflective of what the majority of the Alabama fan base feels right now, that um, that they don't necessarily want Jalen Milrow to be the starter, but it, it's obvious that the, the staff, uh, specifically Saban, has more faith in Milrow right now than in Simpson. Uh, just because Milrow got meaningful playing time last year and, and Simpson didn't. And I think, I think that Saban really likes the fact that Milrow uh, can make plays with his legs uh, a little bit better than Simpson, although Simpson did. Um, he looked pretty good uh, tra- scrambling around in, in the A-Day game. Um, and Simpson looked good in the A-Day game, uh, four or five for 35 yards, uh, showed a lot of potential um, and uh, but then <clears throat> he, he was also dealing with a, a UCL sprain in his hand, but uh, he'll be back to full health this fall. And I think just the the key for him is going to be to continue to build on his offseason momentum and also just uh, not trying to do too much. I mean, you hear Coach Saban say that all the time, even about the Bryce Young and, and especially said it about Tua, always trying to, you know, hit the home run when you should just take the single. Um, like Bruce Arians, when I was working with him on a book, he would always tell me uh, the most important thing for a quarterback is like, he, he loved to run go routes, right? He threw more deep balls than any coach in the NFL. And it was always like touchdown. He would always tell his quarterback, touchdown or check down. If the go route isn't there, then boom, check it down right away. And, um, and, and if, uh, you know, he, he would like, he threw about 10 a game. And uh, really the most important thing for Arians and and Saban is for your quarterback not to give the ball to the other team. It sounds very rudimentary, but uh, that's the key. And I think at the beginning of the season, that is sort of the number one goal because I, I think the identity of this offense, Matt, coming out of the gate is going to be a run first. I think they're going to go more to uh, power and uh, and really try to establish the run and then utilize play action pass uh, to uh, get the safeties you know you, you, you get the get the run established get the safeties to creep up play action pass throw it over their heads and then who what is I'm getting mo- at is yep what I'm getting at is Miro is not good enough to beat George he's not I mean Kirby Smart was shut his run game that you if you remember the 2017 national championship game with Jalen Hurts. They shut Jalen's run ability down, and then and then Georgia went up big on us because Jalen, he just couldn't he couldn't co- comprehend it all. 
And to me, Jalen Monroe is not as good as version as Jalen Jalen Hurts was. So therefore, when we get to that Georgia team, Miro is not going to win your title. I mean, I'm just sorry, but he's too one dimensional. He's he, he's not good enough. I mean, he. I mean, I love the kid. I wish he was good enough. But I mean, you can look at a quarterback and tell the wild factor. When Mac Jones started, you're like, whoa, this kid can throw. I mean, you can look at Bryce Young, wow, but this kid can throw. You know, you you can look at a QB and tell. But even Michael Vick even said this. He says what carried his game to another level was when he learned to do a, be a pass first QB then run first. Jalen Murrow is a run first QB right now, and that's not what a QB is supposed to be. You're supposed to try to distribute the ball to your best players and your best receivers because a lot of times if you're trying to pass, you already you got a lot more people on you than the wide receivers do because if he takes off running, you're going to have safeties, linebackers, and you're going to have daggone corners, all that rushing to you. Whereas the receivers, they're already behind all that, and if they're open and you can get it to them, they're gone. Or running backs, they're gone. So, from what you've seen, do you prefer Simpson or Buckner? From what I've seen, uh, I haven't seen much of Tyler. We really don't have uh, much on Tyler Buckner at all. I would have to see Buckner play more real game snaps because, I mean, you got small clips of him at Notre Dame, and from his stat line, he throw more picks than he does touchdowns. But um, well, he he played but, great. He played great in the Gator Bowl, right? Uh, and and he, two of those uh, three the, picks were not he, his fault. Yeah, and he accounted for five touchdowns, threw for three thirty-four, and they beat a very good South Carolina team, forty-five thirty-eight. Um, and for the season, he completed. You know, his completion rate wasn't great, fifty-five point four. Um, threw for 651 yards, three TDs, five picks, as in, you mentioned, uh, Matt, that a few of those weren't his fault. And then he uh, also rushed for 123 yards, and he did start three games. Um, you know, I, this, this question that, that you bring up, it is literally one of the biggest questions in all of college football. It's not just in Tuscaloosa. It's not just in the state of Alabama. Everyone across the country is talking about this because you, you go and look at the three recruiting classes that are going to make up the majority of this roster. Those recruiting classes are three of Saban's all-time best. The only thing that this team uh, is lacking on paper right now is a, is a tested... Uh, proven quarterback and so uh, and and I wouldn't be worrying about Georgia I'd be worrying about Texas uh, game two in Tuscaloosa at night uh, when the lights are bright and uh, it's going to be the biggest home non-conference game of the Nick Saban era and that this game I, I'm telling you I think Texas has an excellent shot to knock off Alabama in this game because Texas has a massive advantage at the most important position, and that's quarterback Quinn with, with Ewers. Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers was in the process of torching Alabama last year when he got hurt, and that changed the whole dynamic of the game, and still Alabama barely hung on to win that game late on a uh, on a late field goal. So we, we talked a lot about this game yesterday, Matt, and we should get into it more because it's, it's pretty fascinating, and, and – uh, to me, it is really the marquee game in all of college football in the first two, three weeks of the season. I would agree, and I can't wait for it. 
It really isn't all that far away. What, 65, 66 days, something like that? You're listening to Big Noon Sports. We're presented each day, Monday through Friday, by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. We get back. Let's continue this talk a little bit more on Nick Saban. And then I have a very important summer food question for Lars Anderson. Right that was back. a great call. Great call. Thank you, Joe. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Very humid this afternoon. A few scattered showers and storms around through early tonight. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with scattered thunderstorms again by afternoon. The high tomorrow at 91. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 85 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Sansing, you know, Mortgage McCulter, along with Lars Anderson. On the show today, timely guest, Andrew Bone, will be talking about recruiting. And uh, at the top of the charts right now is um, Alabama five-star wide receiver Cameron Coleman, played at Central, has committed to, oh my, Texas A&M over Georgia, Florida, LSU, Alabama, and more. That one's got to hurt a little bit. But anyway, uh, money we'll talk talks. to Andrew Baum. Money, yeah. money, 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 Isn't money, that money, the money. first thing that comes to your mind when you talk about <laughs> Texas A&M? Yeah. Um, um, think it, and it's justified. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Nick Saban, he gave a really interesting interview uh, with Joel Klatt uh, the other day. And uh, he just talked about Look, we're all dealing with these different issues in college football, transfer portal, transfer portal, NIL, playoff expansion, uh, bowl games not being as significant as they were with guys uh, or now opting out of them and and just all these other issues facing college football that are yet to be resolved. And uh, what Saban has said, you know, you can complain about it, but complaining just wastes time. And uh, what we need to do is figure out how do we adapt. And he kept using that word adapt. And Nick Saban has been better than any coach in the country at adapting uh, throughout his tenure at Alabama, whether it's uh, changing his offense, right, from uh, uh, sort of a ground and pound to a wide open spread, to changing his defense from going from guys like Dante Hightower, huge hulking linebackers, to guys like C.J. Mosley, who are speedy, uh, can cover. Uh, it's a, a smaller, faster version, right, of the defense. And so how is he going to adapt to this? And he, was, he said something very interesting. He said, I am going to focus on relationships. And relationships are the, the, the cornerstone of sort of, of, of everything. And that um, over time, if, if a player trusts me, they will come here and I will develop them or we will develop them and they will earn more money from doing that than anything they'll possibly earn in NIL. Right. So he's basically saying, look, look at all. I mean, his track record speaks for itself. 
right, of putting guys into the NFL. And it's not like the players who came to Alabama were uh, surefire NFL talent, talented players right away. I mean, just look at who we just mentioned, Mac Jones. I mean, I don't know if you saw a picture of Mac Jones as a freshman. I mean, he, he looks about as, uh, you know, he, he's, he's real thin. He was just a three-star. And Saban and the Alabama program, the Alabama process, absolutely transformed his body, his, his, uh, his style of play, his ability to read defenses, his ability to get rid of the ball quick and to the right person. I mean, it, Alabama, to me, it is, it is, it's, a, it's a developmental program, right? It, it's, it, yes, they get all these really good five-star players, but it's what do you do with that, those five stars? There have been so many five stars that have flamed out over the years, Matt, but the percentage of five stars who have flamed out at Alabama is so much lower than at other schools uh, for those who buy in. So, I mean, that's that's the selling point of Saban, but then you're talking about 17-year-old kid making a decision and somebody's stroking a check for six million bucks. I mean, it's hard to turn down. It would it would have been hard for me to turn down. Look. It, it, Matt, you you grew up here in Huntsville. If Bear Bryant was coaching today, right, and let's say you're a 17, and he says, please come to Alabama, I am going to make it my priority to turn you into an NFL player. But I can only, you know, we can't give you half as much as Texas A&M. We can give you $500,000. Texas A&M is going to throw $2 million at you. What would you have done? And this, because we're talking about an Alabama kid here, right? Who just well, left the state. A lot of loyalty. Uh, it's not like it was 40 years ago, but there was a lot of loyalty. If you were a good football player, you're going to Alabama. And your second choice in state was Suge Jordan, and that wasn't a bad second choice. Suge. But, I, you know, <laughs> Suge. You know, um, just to take an immediate right, uh, many players that I've been around that were around both programs at the time said Suge was a real, true, iron-fisted disciplinarian, although Coach Bryant did similar. Um, I don't know, Lawrence. It's a difficult question to answer because, uh, quite honestly, it would it might depend on, believe it or not, I might think about the academics of it. Um, but I would also think about what kind of defense and offense they ran. So um, I don't know. It's not a slam dunk, though, if you're a good football player. And, and Cameron Coleman is a perfect example. Uh, this guy not only turned down Alabama, but he picked up. He went to Texas A&M. That's got to irk Saban a little bit, don't you think? Or does he just move uh, right along all the process, nothing about Jimbo, just move along, let's go get another well, wide receiver? I mean, now, you know, you know who's running the offense at Texas A&M, right? Bobby Petrino. Yeah, it's Bobby Petrino, yeah, the most class, man. Yeah, class act. <laughs> you know, I was in – oh. This always happened to me when I, good, at, when I was at school. Excuse me for interrupting, but he is such an in-game signal play caller. <laughs> yeah. Um, this happened to me a couple times. I went down to Arkansas uh, to do a long feature on a running back. I think his name is Niall Davis. And uh, had a good, they treated me really well. You know, Petrino, uh, it was weird. We were. We just, I sat in his office with him for like – I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour, gave me a lot of time, but he was such a low talker and he never looked you in the eye. And then when you shook his hand, he gave you the, the, the dead fish. 
And uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, which I thought was a like football I, coach. A football coach gave me the dead fish. Yeah, and um, but so anyway, it, it was going to be a nice story. It was all laid out, scheduled to run on five pages, and boom, what happens on that Sunday night before, as they're closing the story up in New York? <laughs> the the uh, infamous motorcycle accident. So that story got killed, and it never ran. It never ran. That uh, happens occasionally. It's very it, disappointing. So can yeah. you wait another day to, to yeah. pull this boneheaded move? I know, uh, I know. And the I, thing I, I is, I, I saw, I met the assistant that he was with. Uh, she was uh, quite striking, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I was, was there. She a volleyball player too. Well, yeah, she was, wasn't she? Yeah. She was working in the athletic department. Yeah, very, very tall, um, but taller than him. Uh, right, she's but, like six, uh, not six, five ten, five. Yeah, close to six feet tall. But it just, it, it is sort of shocking that look, Bobby Petrino, he is a good coach. He's a good X's and O's coach, but he's not the most personable guy in the world. And this is who uh, I, I doubt he was in charge of recruiting this kid. I, I don't know if I if I were Jimbo, I don't know if I'd put Bobby out on the out on the recruiting trail too much. <laughs> I don't think so either. But um, yeah, he's not one to make small talk. Uh, and at least that's been my experience with him. And my experience with him is not extensive. It it it. it it, it, it is the totality of it is one 45 minute conversation but um anyway i i, I find it i find it strange and, and maybe jimbo is tell, selling this uh, selling the receiver this kid in alabama on the fact that hey we are going to throw the ball around a lot now that bobby is going to be calling the plays but do you really think jimbo is going to remove himself he, he's no. essentially he essentially fired himself from the offensive coordinator job. Don't you think that may have come from the board of trustees? You need uh, to make a, You went five and seven there, Jimbo. You better shake things up. We're giving you a lot of money, by the way. But the buyout was so much. I, you know, he he has all the leverage. I don't know. That's a good question. If that was a, a mandate from above, or if that was some actual self reflection from Jimbo. I, I would tend to believe it's self-reflection from Jimbo, but um, you know, you uh, our our former radio partner Jay Barker, Jay knows Jimbo very very well, and he thinks the world of him. And uh, I, 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 and Jay's, you know, he speaks highly highly of Jimbo, and I I think that Jimbo did this with not you know not at gunpoint, but just realizing that that they needed fresh ideas. I mean, and that's what Nick Saban is constantly doing. That's why he's bringing, that's why he brings in these coaches from all around the country. He wants fresh ideas. He wants to be challenged to figure out what is the way to stay a step ahead of everybody else. And we'll see if Bobby Petrino can be that guy. He is the master adapter. I'm just tabbing into that. Um, <laughs> here's a little known fact concerning Bobby Petrino. In his early days coaching, he was a GA at Weber State, the Big Sky Conference. His head coach, Mike Price. Now that's one to throw around in a happy hour this afternoon. You're listening to Big Men Sports. <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk some recruiting with Andrew Bone.
From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. I'm making decisions elsewhere, but there's a lot of kids that are going to commit to Alabama. They're currently sitting at 10 commitments. I think they're going to be... Uh, closing in on 20 um, by the time the season starts. And then you just got to kind of wait and see, um, you know, what happens the rest of the way. And then, you know, Nick Saban starts taking those uh, in-home visits uh, in December, uh, you know, the ultimate closing time when you're either, you know, trying to lock in to uh, to your kids that are currently committed or uh, trying to close the last few or potentially even trying to flip a few towards the, towards the end of the cycle like we saw Alabama did with Caden Proctor. Uh, last December so you know this is you know he was busy in the month of June there's that week in uh, in late July where we're going to see a lot of kids visit um, and possibly make decisions in August but um, you know this is kind of that time frame you know Nick Saban and Steph and they took a little bit of a time off um, so after that last camp uh, in June they've been uh, on vacation but you know, now they're pretty much back in the office, and you know it's time to close some of these uh, some of these top targets that are going to be making decisions um, over the course of the next month. Bone, we could go on and on. Can you hang for another segment? I know you're a busy man. Yeah, sure. Okay. Hey, that's that's good news for all. As you listen to Big Noon Sports, we'll take that break, and when we get back, we'll talk recruiting and more Alabama football on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Very humid this afternoon. A few scattered showers and storms around through early tonight. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with scattered thunderstorms again by afternoon. The high tomorrow at 91. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 86 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big News Sports, Matt Coulter, along with Lars Anderson, and our guest is Andrew Bone. A few more questions for you, Andrew, but first, why don't you tell people how they can reach out and how they can read you? Well, you can go to BamaOnline.com, also known as BOL. Uh, check out all of our content. 
great team and recruiting uh, staff over there. Um, guys who've been in the business for a long time. Uh, myself, Tim Watt, uh, Travis Ryer, Charlie Potter, Clint Lamb, Jimmy Stein, and uh, Joseph Hastings. Got an incredible team out there that, um, you know, produces a ton of content coverage every single day on the Alabama team and recruiting front. Go, go check us out over at BamaOnline.com. Andrew, is that the biggest team, like the biggest group that covers recruiting in the country? <laughs> it seems like I'm, it, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I just think there's more interest in recruiting in this state than in any other state in the country. I really do. I think you know. I think the thing about Bama Online is you know we don't just cover recruiting. I mean, we obviously recruiting is a is a big part of it, but you know we're covering the Alabama football team, the basketball team, the baseball team, softball. I mean, we're we're covering it all. Um, every single day, and obviously we've got. I think we've got recruiting on, on pretty much lockdown. Um, you know, as far as you know, Alabama team coverage is concerned, um, but we've got a great staff. I mean, you know, Tim Watts and I have been in the business for twenty plus years. Um, you know, we feel like we we have an idea of you know what's exactly going on with you know every single uh, recruit that's out there. Joseph Hastings uh, is kind of our young. Uh, kid that goes out on the road and sees a lot of prospects, uh, does a lot of you know, evaluations and interviews, and you know, we kind of sent him all over the country. He was at the Elite 11, then uh, he was at IMG a, a week later uh, covering a big football camp, and then you know, we've got an unbelievable, um, you know, unbelievable team that covers uh, you know, the, uh, the Alabama football, basketball, baseball, and, and everything else with um, – with Clint Lamb and Jimmy Stein and Travis Ryan and Charlie Potter, so we feel like we got the best of uh, of both worlds that they cover it all on on Bama Online. But there's you know there's a lot of great team sites out there, and a lot of them are part of the um, the On Three Sports Network. You know, whether that's WarChant.com covers Florida State, you have BallQuest uh, covers Tennessee. Um, you know we we've got some some major major sites, Kentucky Sports Radio for for Kentucky. Um, you know a lot of a lot of a lot of big hitters in the uh, in, in the college football, basketball, and recruiting world. Um, all part of the On Three Sports Network. You know, Andrew, uh, you and I and, and Matt have been talking uh, on the phone or talking on air for over five years now and become good friends. And very rarely have I seen you been surprised. It, it seems like you your percentage of uh, getting. Uh, where a player is going to go predicting is about 95%. But has um, has NIL money changed that for you? Has it made it more difficult to predict where a guy Great is ultimately going to go? It, it does in some ways. Now, I would say a few weeks out, we may not know now the day or day before, day before we, we might have a better better understanding of where kids are going to go to school but um but yeah i mean it, it certainly has made things uh, a lot more challenging especially when kids you know you have kids that may grow up fans of certain schools or you know they may live you know next to campus um you know and they may have had alabama you know a kid may have had alabama or georgia or whoever it may be as their leader um you know from the very start of the recruiting process and then all of a sudden um it's a new school that, that's in the lead. So you got to kind of stay on top of it and kind of follow it. It's made recruiting, um, in my opinion, 
uh, a lot more interesting to watch um, because I think we've kind of went through a kind of a lull period where we saw you know, Alabama was just pretty much getting anybody they wanted. And I had friends who used to come up to me all the time and say, yeah, I don't really follow recruiting anymore because we know Nick Saban's going to get uh, the number one recruiting class. They're going to sign great recruits. And, and that's still the case. But they also miss on kids. And, you know, there's a lot of other schools that are uh, that, that are in these tight recruiting battles, um, you know, every single uh, – just about on every single recruit. So it's made it a lot more interesting and compelling to follow uh, as NIL has continued to, to grow and more money is uh, being added to these collectives and because uh, there's a lot of programs out there that are able to uh, – to get some kids that uh, they normally were not getting back before NIL uh, was created. What's the Bama process with the collective in its its pockets there um, from recruiting? You know, we all know you're not supposed to use it to recruit, but we think that happens. I think Saban try, tries to toe the line best he, best he possibly can. But how does it go from, you know, being a recruit to actually once they commit – can they receive, or do they have to wait till they sign? Well, I think they've got to wait till uh, till they sign at least. I I don't think that you know, a lot of kids are are getting you know money up front or anything like that. And and you know it's probably going to be a, a case by case um, approach. Now, you know with Alabama, yeah, I think the first year of NIL, you know, it was probably you know they were probably. A lot more cautious about it than than maybe some other schools because you just didn't know what was allowed, and it was you know I think a lot of schools were out there basically you know not asking permission but asking for forgiveness uh, later. <laughs> Where Alabama was, hey, can we do this? Can we do that? And they're like, you know, no, you can't do that. Can't do that. Okay, well we won't do it. You know, some other schools probably were out there, just, you know, going crazy. Um, you know, it was almost like the wild wild west. Um, in that first year, and you know, probably even a little bit more in the second year. Now, this year it seems a little bit more under control, but there's still a lot of programs out there that are, you know, making a lot of promises to recruit. Not, not, not maybe not necessarily programs, but collectives making promises to a lot of recruits, and you know, a lot of big numbers that are getting thrown out there, and, and it's just crazy to uh, to hear. And of course, it causes you know, a lot of other kids out there that may not be worth uh, that much to think they are worth that much and they want that much from uh, from these collectors before before they make decisions. So, I mean, it's, it's still kind of a work in progress. It probably will be for a long time. And, you know, it certainly has, uh, you know, made it seem more like, um, you know, pay for play than, than anything else. But I know there's a lot of schools out there that are trying to do it the right way and trying to, and a lot of them are, are the bigger name programs that are out there. You know, the, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the um, you know the Ohio States. You know, the, those are all programs that they've had so much success for a long time uh, recruiting um, before NIL that they're trying to make sure that they're doing it the right way. Whereas you might have other programs that are out there that not necessarily saying they're not doing it the right way, but they're trying to make a big impact on the recruiting front and trying to get to that level where they can have success year after year after year. And it, you know, it requires bringing in and, and signing the best players in the country. 
Bama online recruiting guru, Andrew Bone, is our guest. And I'm looking at online here with an article that you wrote less than a day ago. And it says, low numbers on defensive line for Alabama 24 class. Dude, don't don't just read this verbatim. But uh, you wrote, can you just give us the Cliff Notes version uh, of that story? Do you see it improving? Yeah, so, so we've been doing a – every single week on Bama Online, we do a, a position group, whereas our team guys focused on the Alabama football team, breaking down the numbers, the depth chart, the guy, the losses, um, you know, the projections for the upcoming season. And, and I do a feature on the recruiting front, kind of where things are at that position group. Um, you know, and you look at Alabama's success in last year's class. Alabama's side, you know, Alabama's side – three of the top 11 defensive linemen in the country in 2023. This year, there's not an a extensive list of defensive line targets, but there's kind of a smaller group of targets that Alabama's been going after. They've signed, or not signed, but they have commitments from two of their top guys. Both of them are in-state. Uh, Isaiah Fonga uh, out of Central High School in Phoenix City, and then Jeremiah Beeman out of Parker High School uh, Birmingham. So you got two guys on board right now, still trying to look for at least one or two more. Uh, Edric Houston, who's a five-star defensive end out of Buford High School, is a major target for Alabama. Uh, it's probably going to come down to Alabama, uh, Ohio State, maybe even USC for him. He's going to announce a decision on August 22nd. Um, you know, really not ready to make a prediction uh, yet on him. I think it's pretty close. And then uh, there's another kid that Alabama's trying to flip. Uh, Dalen Evans, who is uh, committed to Texas A&M, uh, probably going to visit in late July and then take an official in the fall. Uh, so those are some of the guys that they're out there recruiting, but you know, they haven't really you know gone after too many other defense, defensive linemen. I think they're probably going to try to see what happens with a few of those other guys, you know, maybe get to three or four commitments on the defensive front. But if they don't get there, I think it's a position that, you know, they're really going to look in the transfer portal. You know, that's an option that, you know, every school in the country now has. They don't meet needs at certain positions or if they may need immediate help, they can go and recruit the transfer portal and you know, they're not too worried uh, about hitting numbers uh, at the high school level anymore. Andrew, Nick Saban always likes to lay his own eyes on recruits, right, in the, in the flesh. Um, why is that important to him, and is that normal? Is that is that the sort of standard procedure for all head coaches across the country? Well, you know, every kid in the country that you know Alabama pursues or recruits, um, you know, evaluates. You know, Nick Saban's going to be at Alabama. You know, an assistant coach who's recruiting these guys, they may be gone after next year. So, you know, Nick Saban wants to make sure that. You know, he's bringing in the right guys for his program for the next three, you know, to five years. Uh, the guys that he's going to be coaching. But he also is looking for guys that can make a big impact, that they can develop, that they can train. Um, and I think that, you know, he likes to see just about every single kid that they possibly can before they take a commitment from him. Um, you know, whether that's in camp, uh, it may not even be till their senior season, but he likes to personally evaluate every single kid before they make a decision rather than just have an assistant. Now, there's kids, there's people on the staff that he'll trust uh, that you know may have coached with him for a long time. Kevin Still, new defensive coordinator. He's been with Coach Saban before, so he knows what Coach Saban likes. Coach Saban probably 
uh, gives him a little bit of a green light to uh, to go after who he wants. Traveris Robinson, great defensive back coach. I think he's probably in the same boat. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of schools out there, you know, the head coaches are always going to make those decisions. All right, one more as uh, we wrap this up. We appreciate your time, especially since you went uh, doubleheader with us. Who is the next big uh, commitment that you see on the bone horizon? Watch for Xavier Brown. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, top 100 defense back at a Mater Day High School, announcing his commitment on Sunday between Alabama and USC. And you say... <laughs> you got to go to BamaOnline.com to find out. Oh, great. come on. Oh, that's <laughs> a thing. You just got about 7,000 subscribers. Let me tell you this. If it was somewhere else, I'd tell you where it was. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. So we there do we know go. it's just two. All right. There you yeah. go. Uh, great stuff as always, Bone. Thanks, uh, Andrew. We'll talk to you next week probably. Thank you, sir. Y'all have a great weekend. See you. All right, that's Andrew Bone, Bama Online. Look him up. You go there, you can find out where Brown's going to commit to play his college football. Bama. You're listening to Big Noon Sports? Yeah, I think that's... Yep. Uh, he did a great job of teasing and selling that was a, a good few one. subscriptions. All right. Got some more good ones coming up. Some fun stories next hour. I got to get to that summer food story for Lars, too. So it's all coming up on Big Noon Sports. Probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Summer. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. A town square media station. One man to beat, you can forget about it. Touchdown, Alabama. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome to Big Noon Sports, featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. Here's Lars and Matt. show is presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Thank you, Haley. 
By the way, I think we're going to hear from Haley on Monday. Am I am I letting the cat out of the bag too quick here, Lord? No, Haley's going to be in studio with us in the second hour, and we're going to talk all things mortgages. And how Which they relate hey, to Alabama recruiting. Yeah, exactly. We, we'll, 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 we'll figure out a way how to oh, uh, tie, tie it all together. Um, you know, because once they uh, get through Alabama and get to the NFL, they're going to have to buy their first home. And <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they buying homes on NIL money? <laughs> I, I believe Bryce Young did, yes. Bryce Young did, uh, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I don't know, but, yeah, we'll get into it. But it, it is interesting. Like, buying your first home is, like, the most nerve-wracking experience <laughs> of your life. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have fun with that uh, on Monday. I would, I would argue that there's another more nerve-wracking, but you and I aren't going to go into it, and we would agree if I brought it up. So let's just get <laughs> past that. All right. Uh, Your mind is going at, uh, to places that it shouldn't go. We don't. You're right. You're right. You're right. We're having a good time, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I had this dialed up a minute ago. We were talking to Andrew Bone, and it was the current value on NIL. And I'm going to look it back up and just do this while I'm on the air. Uh, I do remember who's first. Who do you think is first? This is value, okay? This is not what they're actually making, okay? It's the estimated value, which I really... Do, do you like that uh, little table that they've got going on? Is that with on three? Um, yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting. I don't know how accurate it is. Um, I know it's like it's the only sort of calculator or calculus of NIL that exists. Um, but, yeah, so go ahead. All right, I'm looking for it again. Uh, number one, as I remember, it was uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, and he's a big-time player, and he can really make things happen. So uh, if this thing will finally download then I can tell you what we're doing in a, in a horrible start to a second hour and one of the worst I've ever done. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. Uh, Do you know what Bronny uh, James's value is? He's the he's the top one uh, right now. His 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 NIL valuation is um, six point seven million. Are you uh, kidding me? No, uh, the top the top college football player is Arch Manning at two point eight million. And then you have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, at $2.7 million. Uh, Drake May, quarterback out of North Carolina, he's at $1.5 million. Again, this is an estimation. This is, this is what uh, this, this uh, uh, methodology is producing. And it's, it's sort of it, – it's, it's, it's a complicated uh, – it's a complicated formula that they that they put on there. It's it's a uh, it's it's NIL valuation, brand value, and roster value, and it's a uh, it's an algorithm that they use, uh, and that is that on three. I mean, it's pretty interesting that their NIL valuation establishes establishes the overall NIL market and projected twelve month growth rate by measuring two categories. That's brand value index and roster value index. So how do you re measure brand value index? 
Um, that is with uh, national licensing, sponsorship market, um, and that the roster value index. We're getting too, I'm getting too deep into the weeds here, but that collects data from schools, collectives, uh, and uh, is put again. All the stuff is put into an algorithm that produces what the NIL valuation is according to on three. So there you have it. Do you uh, do you think this these particular deals have some credibility? Uh, do I think that is this accurate? Like, the NI, the NIL. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's. I think it's. Right. I think it's. I think it's ballpark. Uh, you know, it, it just is. It just depends on what someone's willing to pay. You know, I mean, uh, this may be. Uh, you know, uh, a ballpark figure, but um, it's not like schools have to disclose or these independent collectives have to disclose I, I don't believe uh, how much each how much a certain player is receiving if I, I correct me if I'm wrong on that Matt but I, I don't believe that that is public information um, I mean if it, if it was we we certainly would would know more about it but um, yeah so I, I mean I think it's I think it's interesting. Uh, but is it the uh, gospel truth? No. All right, let me just uh, give you the money. Uh, what Alabama player would you select if you had a really good product or service for the upcoming well, the twenty twenty three season? Well, you, you just mentioned him, Kool Aid. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think he's going to be a Turner. Yeah, I think he's going to have a big year. Uh, I think Kool-Aid is going to be a top 15 draft pick, maybe even higher. Um, it'll be interesting to see how how they use Kool-Aid this year. It, are they going to just sort of, you know, have him be their lockdown corner and not give him safety help and, and just let him do his thing, you know, go one-on-one -on -one with guys? Or, um, you know... Uh, will they just sort of uh, it'll be interesting again to how Saban uses that chess piece uh, with with McKendry because he is a special special player I'll tell you who else is and it'll just be his first year but I imagine when we're talking about this next year Justice Haynes will be an NIL draw uh, uh, and and so uh, a lot of people are talking about uh, uh, who's the inside linebacker everybody's raving about? Now I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the actual uh, uh, Dallas Turner. Caleb Downs will be a big-time big, big -time money guy in the future, don't you think? Yeah. Um, so right now for Alabama. So, uh, there are the on, Okay, so so the on three NIL valuation. I'll, I'll just give the, like, the top five players at Alabama. One is Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, his uh, NIL valuation is uh, 768000 per year. Uh, number two is offensive tackle J.C. Latham, who, again, he's going to be a high pick in the NFL draft. He's at 723000 a year. Dallas Turner is the third edge rusher, 615000 And then uh, Malik Benson, uh, who uh, he doesn't have as big a, a social media following, but... Um, on three is obviously thinking he's going to have a big year wide receiver 
Uh, at he's his NIL valuations at 603. And then uh, number five is someone who you just mentioned hasn't yet played a down at Alabama, but is certainly making more noise than any other true freshman and really any other true freshman in a long time. And that's Caleb Downs, uh, the, the safety out of uh, out of uh, uh, Georgia, uh, out of Hutchinson, Georgia. His valuation is at uh, 540,000 as a true freshman. And send Keon Keeley, another true freshman, uh, he is at uh, 460,000. And I think Keeley uh, can be a very, very special player as well, uh, edge rusher. I think those are the two freshmen that we're going to see on defense make an impact right away. I mean, I think as early as the Texas game, I think these, these two kids, uh, uh, well, kids, young men, could uh, see substantial playing time. All right, let's uh, play with some money here, Lawrence. Let's just say that you were going to receive $500,000 a year from NIL at uh, St. Olaf for playing soccer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Are you smart enough? To, would you be smart enough at 18 to, to handle that money? And if so, what would you do with it? I'd invest all of it. And that's what I did when I had some money at 18. I invested it. Uh, I bought Janus Mutual Funds, and it was one of the greatest things I ever did. I let it sit in there. I bought Janus 20. I was really into mutual funds when I was like 16, 17, 18 years old and took my paper out money and and <laughs> poured it into there. And, uh, yeah, I would invest it. What would you do? Really? I yeah. don't think a lot of kids would do that. I, you know, I think I would put a lot of it away like you. But uh, I think there will be uh, certain times where I just, uh, you know, ra- house rounds on the house, rounds on Matt. I think I probably would. <laughs> I would like to share it. I really would. Um, I would like to think that I would uh, be philanthropic with this as well. You know, give to my church, that kind of thing. Uh, but, I, you know, in a lot of cases, Lars, I don't think when these guys are getting their checks monthly, in some cases like for $50,000, I don't know if they're, running down to the bank or to their financial advisor and investing in it. I surely hope so. And I think, I'll bet you this is true. In fact, I know it's true. Um, schools like Alabama are going to advise, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Here's what you need to do. do and, and they're doing that right now. Anyway, uh, yeah, lots I'm sure been going they, they, on they, in they, the world of basketball. They bring in yeah. financial advisors and yeah, of course, every resource you could ever imagine is available to Alabama players. There's more resources available to those players than any other players in the country. Do you know of one that's rather lavish? I mean, do they offer pedicures? <laughs> I, I think I think paying Stephen A. Smith to come down there to talk to him is a little lavish. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm I'm uh I go up and down on that guy. Sometimes I think he is absolutely spot on, and sometimes I think he he just he doesn't get it. He's a smart guy, and he's certainly worked his butt off, you know. Um, and he doesn't mind telling you that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're not we're not going to go. You know, to you know the a. first the first rule of writing, and really of life, I think, is show don't tell. Let your actions speak for you. Anyway, humility. Yes. It's a. It's, it's, and you're right. Somebody, if you're good, you don't have to tell anybody. 
right. Um, hey, we got a lot to talk about in basketball. That's why Brian Passink is going to join us in just a minute. I want to talk to you about the, the transfers. The, what are the three, four now that uh, Alabama has picked up? Um, and we will do that with the Alabama Sports Network color analyst Brian Passink on the other side of the break. Big Noon Sports is presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Very humid this afternoon. A few scattered showers and storms around through early tonight. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with scattered thunderstorms again by afternoon. The high tomorrow at 91. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 88 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Shirey, all on Big Noon Sports on this sunny Friday afternoon. Keep an eye on the weather of the weekend. I think we might get some, some thunder bangers here. Hey, let's welcome in Brian Passink, who is very kind with his time when it comes to this show uh, during the season and in the offseason. But as far as acquiring players in Crimson, there is no offseason, really, um, because Alabama, just over the last couple of days... I guess has uh, transfer portals pick up from Aaron Estrada and Muhammad Wagi. Is that is that how you say his name? Now let's let's start there and evaluate those two for us. I was told there would not be any questions about name pronunciation. <laughs> I think it's Wagu. I think it's Wagu. I think that's right. I, listen, you know what I'll figure it out for sure is uh, is about five minutes before our first broadcast, and I'll ask my man, <laughs> Mr. Stewart. Hey, uh, Mr. Professional Broadcaster, how, how do you say these names? And whatever Chris tells me to do, that's what I do. That's as good a formula as anybody could possibly come <laughs> up with. All right. Well, what about Wagyu? And isn't that a? Uh, I'm not going there. Uh, and I'm really intrigued about Estrada. Start with him. Well, listen. The, it, it, you're exactly right that when you said that there's really no offseason. I mean, there's no offseason for any sport right now. Um, and college coaches, um, I mean, sleep is a thing of the past. If you're a college coach right now with transfer portal and, and trying to manage your roster year to year. And, and so the good news is that, that Alabama's roster looks really, really good um, because of what's transpired the last few months. I mean, listen, guys are going to go pro when you're in a program like Alabama and you're, and you got a coach like Nate Oates and where this program is going. So you're going to have some turnover. And fortunately for Alabama, the transfer portal, uh, you've lost some guys, but my goodness, you have really improved your roster because of it. And, you know, you, you mentioned Aaron Estrada. Uh, he, he's a, a player that player of the year out of um, the Colonial Athletic Association averaged 17, 18 points a game to play the guard spot was one of the most highly sought after perimeter players in the portal and uh, he and um, Latrell Whiteside Jr. They'll, they'll be such a huge addition uh, to the backcourt and then 
um, Muhammad Wagyu, I think. We'll go with that until, uh, <laughs> until unless Chris I get Rexus. a text from Chris yeah. Stewart while we're on there, <laughs> um, which is possible, by the way. Um, so, it, it, you know, that's a huge pickup um, for front court depth. <clears throat> you know, to, to get a player from West Virginia, it's 6'10", 250, athletic, uh, you know, great shot blocker, rebounder, defender, can run the floor, wants to play in this type of style, um, is going to be an important player. And, you know, with, with the guys that, you know, we'll be seeing on, and we have seen on ESPN and the NBA Summer League uh, the last week or so, and we'll end of the weekend, um, you know, all those front court players needed some guys to come in, and, and Alabama has added some big-time talent. So is uh, is Wagyu going to take the role of uh, Betty Yako and being the rim protector? And do you see him as a starter or just a, a or a, a guy coming off the bench to give the team valuable minutes, especially on the defensive end of the court? Yeah, you know, I don't know that anybody's going to take the place of Charles Betty Yako um, with what he did defensively as a rim protector and also one of the best offensive rebounders in the country. Didn't get enough credit for that. But, um, you know, he, um, Magoo has some of those attributes. I think this team's going to look a lot different uh, with Grant Nelson uh, and, and of course, Nick Pringle. Um, gives you some different looks and, and different styles. And uh, but, but I can see him giving you some of those things and I will reserve judgment on whether what what role from a minutes or starting standpoint uh, until I get to see some of the new guys and I plan on getting to Tuscaloosa the next week or two so um, if you don't mind I- I'd like to come back on I'll tell you what I, what I find <laughs> out um, That's because yeah. la- last <laughs> last year um, I would when Noah Clowney signed, I would have never thought that guy would be a starter, much less a one-and-done, much less a first-rounder. Um, but when I saw him uh, for the first time, I thought, well, this guy's a lot better than I was told. Uh, and <laughs> that proved to be true. He had an incredible year uh, and is now playing for the Brooklyn Nets, and I think he's going to be on TV in the next night or two uh, on ESPN and the NBA Summer League. So, um, you know, listen, all the the star ratings and projections, um, I think they do mean something. I mean, you know, you have some pretty good basketball minds evaluating these guys, um, but there are some that are maybe a little overrated and a lot, and thankfully in Alabama's case, some guys that have been underrated in recent years, and uh, so we'll see. But um, when you look at this roster from top to bottom, I think now you have 12 guys uh, out of the 13 scholarships uh, that, that will be... Uh, on this roster for sure, the the depth, the talent, um, boy, it looks really, really good. And it's a team that, that as we sit here in early July, I think has what it takes, like a handful of other schools um, that I think will expect to compete for an SEC title. All right. I got an official word from Gary Harris, and I think I was leaning in the right direction here. It is Wagi. Ah, okay. okay. <laughs> but Wagyu, Again. it looks like Wagyu. So anyway, and I'm not absolutely Muhammad. positive. Yeah, Muhammad, exactly. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Real quick, guys, did you, did you see that uh, the media has already assigned 
a shorter version of Victor Wimbanyama. They're just now calling him Wimby. W-E-M-B-Y. Congratulations. Way to go. And stay away from Britney Spears. Yeah, and he makes his debut tonight. Um, Speaking of debuts, let's. Uh, I'm going to get off transfers for just a second. What do you think of the start of Brandon Miller? He sure does foul a lot. Well, why not? You don't you don't foul out in summer league games. Um, <laughs> I think you got two. So, if that, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. So, uh, well, <laughs> I, I saw the first game. Did not see the second. He played really well in the first, and apparently didn't didn't score it quite as well. And and I saw the, <laughs> the stats, which are, are funny to see in summer league. But uh, listen, they're they're not uh, assigning. Uh, anybody to the the nba hall of fame based on their first summer first few summer league games and and they're not basing uh you know if, if they're going to be you know where they're going to end up being as as rookies but i tell you I, I love what i've seen so far i know the charlotte hornets are excited about their young roster and brandon miller is, is such a centerpiece for that and it's a great opportunity we got a bunch of guys that are that are in Las Vegas right now. I think all those summer league games are moving over to Las Vegas. The, the, you know, they're in Sacramento for a few games. And, and you got Brandon Miller, Noah Clowney, Charles Bediaco, uh, Jenny Davidson, uh, Jaden Shackelford playing for uh, Oklahoma City over there. So uh, if you're a basketball fan and a Tide fan, there's going to be some, some guys to watch here uh, in, in the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. But um, I'm excited about what Brandon Miller is going to have a chance to do. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed, and I think everybody who's obviously Alabama fans, but just basketball fans, what he was able to do. I thought he was the best player in the country um, from start to finish, uh, was All-American SEC Player of the Year. And uh, while you know we're in the day and age where if, if those are, are your accomplishments, you don't last a long time in college um i am excited to see what he does in the next level were you surprised uh that javon quinterly decided to enter the transfer portal i know it it, it i certainly was not expecting that and it, it seemed from nate oates's comments that he necessarily wasn't either yeah i was surprised i mean listen i was surprised with the timing i'm not surprised at all when somebody enters the transfer portal, especially, um, you know, with with the NIL dollars that are on the line, and and and, and listen, I don't I don't know I, I don't know anything um, in, in about his particular situation, but I can tell you just in general, um, you know, you, you, there are probably schools that that are making calls to players, and I'm not saying that was the case. For Javon, I'm just saying that yeah. it, it, I think when you look at how sometimes when timing is 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 not what you expect, um, you know, I, I just wonder about how things transpired um, from other school standpoint. I don't know anything. I just wonder those things. So, um, yeah, I know that that he's one of the most highly sought after players. And, and listen, the same could be said for a lot of guys on this Alabama roster. I think the timing. Uh, is unfortunate um, because if, if this was something that was done earlier, you could have um, you could have re- replaced uh, that position, and, and, you, and you're still maybe trying to do that. Um, you know, as it, we talked about in the beginning, 
these guys are always working. Um, coaches are out there trying to, to get their roster the way they want. But, you know, did, did was there a, a player in the portal that you didn't get because they didn't want to compete with Javon Quinterly for playing time a few months ago? Was there a guy on your roster that left because they didn't want to compete and knew that JQ would be getting those minutes? So the timing is not something I'm excited about. But I'll tell you this, just from a positive standpoint, what Javon Quinterly did um, in his career at Alabama, the championships, um, the, the – SEC tournament MVPs and six man of the year coming back from injury. Um, you know, he was a team guy while he was at Alabama. Um, you know, four championships when you account for two regular seasons, two tournament titles, two sweet, sweet 16s. It's hard to be too mad. Uh, he, yeah, he, was, he was such a big part of uh, turning this program around and making it a national power now. So I'm disappointed uh, that he's leaving and surprised by the timing. I hear he's going to Memphis. I know that's probably not the road that you travel off in the chase after these guys, but have you heard anything? It seems like he and Penny somehow would be a pretty good fit. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that at school. So, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have. Yeah, I have too. Just right up uh, I twenty two. Um, do you have a sense of who? Uh, like the go-to score is going to be on this team, or does that have to sort of evolve and play out? Like, you know, if it's a tie game late, we knew exactly who was getting the ball last year, right? Brandon Miller. Is there somebody like that who you think will emerge, or is there is that is is, is that player already emerged? Is he is he is it is that a clear cut answer right now? Well, for me right now, it's not. And listen, for me. Um, <laughs> Before I saw Brandon Miller with my own eyes, um, I, I wasn't sure who it would be with the guys that that returned from last year's team, and um, and, and it, it did become clear. But the good thing is, I think why Alabama is in pretty much everybody's preseason top twenty-five is because there's a lot of options. I mean, Ryan Griffin really came on strong late in the year, and I expect him to make a huge jump. Mark Sears, second team, all SEC. Um, you know, one of the top recruiting classes in the country. I mean, we talked about Aaron Estrada and, and what he did as, as a conference player of the year at Hofstra. Grant Nelson, of course, um, coming in was, you know, he's a guy that averaged 19 points a game um, at North Dakota State. It's a big time score. So you've got a lot of options. And I mean, listen, we, we, you go down the roster and, and, you know, maybe somebody we haven't even mentioned, but. Uh, there's a lot of options, and I, I think you know that's why it's important to get guys in town and um, get them playing together. Coaches now, as opposed to you know years ago, can spend time in the gym with their team uh, and get a certain amount of hours in every week from a practice standpoint. I think that is so important uh, as you try to put a very uh, different roster than we saw last year. The similarities between last year's team. Uh, and this year's team is talent, talent, depth um, from top to bottom. I mean, it, it is a loaded roster of talented players. And I think this team's going to be really good, but it's going to take some time to come together um, to figure out those things. It's a great question. And I don't know that they know the answer right now, but you don't have to know the answer right now. And, and it's also a reason why NATO's puts together such a tough non-conference schedule um, to figure those things out in the, in the pre-conference and get ready for the college. Why 
Alabama's won two out of the last three SEC regular season titles in one of the toughest basketball leagues in the country is because those questions are important to Nate Oates and his coaching staff and um, playing the, the schedule that they play will prepare them for league play on in uh, to postseason. Brian Passing, what are you going to do with the family for summer or have you already done it? <laughs> well, we're we're doing it. The girls are, are having a good summer traveling. They're they're traveling more than me. I'm uh I'm trying to work a little bit, play a little golf. Um need to get to the beach pretty soon. So, uh I've got I've got uh, you know, ideas of doing some things, but I can tell you the passing girls are are having a good summer, so I guess that's what <laughs> matters most. I don't know if you're aware of this concerning Lars Anderson, but and, and I've been trying to break him in, so to speak. But Lars Anderson is not a beach guy. Of course, he didn't grow up anywhere close to one. He was born in Nebraska. so uh, And he doesn't eat much fish, do you, Lars? No, no, I don't. Uh, I'm just, it's it's not my thing. It's not my thing. But, so, Lars, uh, what, do you but, do, what do you like to do during the summer? I like to uh, I like to go to the Rocky Mountains. I love uh, going oh, to Estes, Estes yeah. Park. I mean, I love the mountains year round, but especially in the summer, it's just so beautiful and uh, hiking and and uh, and also just yeah. I just uh, got back. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, crazy. yeah. Going going the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Just get a cabin and disappear for a while. Uh, went from uh, one hundred to seventy eight. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what, that makes that's what that's what I need to be doing. Yeah, the mountains in the summer, oh, you can't beat it. So I'm with you on that. That's that's a good answer. All right, this is the most important question you'll face all week: uh, summer food, watermelon, salt or no? Uh, I'm not against it. I don't. I, I just. I, I just. I, I go without it typically but if 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 i'm with people putting it on i'm I'm fine with it i'm definitely not sugar that's a little too sweet um but but i go a little salt large how about you guys no way no way my dad would put salt on everything he put a ton of salt in his beer i i I just no i never got that yeah me neither um but no no salt on my watermelon and i actually uh I, my kids and I, we went through an entire watermelon last weekend, and it was a, a lot of fun. A lot of big mess, but a lot of fun. Oh, I like just splitting it open and eating the heart out of it. It's the greatest. And a watermelon's got to be pretty bad for me to put salt on it. Uh, it's, it's just naturally so tasty. Okay, I bet you didn't think we would ask you how to pronounce Wagyi <laughs> or what your favorite watermelon add-on was. So... Have a great summer. I'm sure we'll talk yeah. uh, in between now and thank you, Brian. Time. Yeah, always enjoyed. I never know what's coming at me, so <laughs> I, I just try to prepare for anything and everything. But I know this; it's always going to be fun. So I appreciate you having me. <laughs> oh, you yeah, bet. Thank, Hello to your thank family. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, guys. Okay, um, I've got some other questions for you, uh, Lars. Uh, not of, of above the fold, okay? Uh, I don't right. know if you've seen the video. There was a brawl in baseball. And also, I didn't know this, and I probably should have, but uh, Dale Jr. is coming back. I got that. Coming up, Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage.
This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Uh, that he hit in the College World Series, if you remember that. I mean, it was a, yeah. it was a thing of beauty. He, he, he stroked it out, to, out, out over the right field fence in Omaha. But, um, yeah, don't admire a home run. Um, yeah, and this is the, the, the one that I don't like is if a pitcher hits a teammate, then you hit one of theirs, right? And this yeah. is what gets teams into trouble because it leads to ejections, fines, suspensions. Um, but I, I, apparently it's just how the game, they say, right? It's, it's policed by the players. And, uh, and so, yeah. How about stealing third with two outs? It's just that's dumb. that's just dumb, right? Yeah, that's just I mean, dumb. It's an old adage: you never make the first or the third out at third base. I mean, it's just uh, you, you could theoretically you're costing your team a run because uh, if you're on third with uh, one out or less, you got a good chance of getting that in, getting him in with a ground ball to the right side, a sack fly, uh, you could safety squeeze. Which uh, uh, who was it? Uh, was it Florida did that? And the guy at first made such a great play. Yeah. For LSU. Um, anyway, I got oh. I got to tell you, I, I got to, you know, Lincoln's uh, baseball team, my eight year old, his little league team, the the third base coach uh, early in the season, two tests, two separate times. And like it was like maybe the second game, two separate times in that game. The first out was made at third because he didn't put the stop sign on at second. And uh, the head coach, uh, the, the, the yeah, the head coach, he benched him. <laughs> he, he took uh, his yeah. third base coach he out t- of the game. Yeah, because he kept making bad decisions, and uh, I, I don't blame him because you're not teaching kids the right thing anyway. You, you never, never make the first out at third base. Never. Don't even chance it. No, uh, no, you, you run yourself out of an inning in a hurry. You know. Yeah. What could be yeah. a problem? And, and, and it but can, you know, when you're it, eight, it can, it can change the whole nature of the game. The, I mean, oh, there especially is especially if it's a one-two run game. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of and and it's, it's real. And for eight-year-olds, it's, it's incredibly deflating to make that first out at third because you're here. You are about ready. You think you're going to have a big inning, and with I don't know, maybe this is with all of baseball, but it, with with kids this age, bad things tend to snowball. Very quickly in Little League, and so when something you know negative happens on the field, then that affects like the next batter, big time. And uh, and I think they ended up losing both of those games. But wow, nonetheless, well, uh, was he? Did he come back for the next game, or was he just put out the pasture? Uh, uh, he <laughs> did was he ever no, no, he, no. He never coached third again. Uh, they he, <laughs> manager made him do something worse. Uh, he was in charge of the dugout 
Uh, so he had to he had to make sure you know who's in the hole, who's on deck, who's up to bat. He had to make sure everything was uh, in done in an orderly fashion and make sure that the bat got off the field and the helmets were in the right place and and all that. So he went from third base coach to basically uh, you know mother mother hen of the of the dugout yeah. of trying to control you know ten wild eight year olds. I have seen, though, particularly at that age, if, if you're very, very aggressive on the base path, uh, I would say more often than not, you will force the fielding team to make an error. Uh, yes. Evidently, that didn't happen. With the no, it was, it, was, it was two spectacular throws and catches. Like, it never happens, right? Yeah. yeah. You're, no, you're, you don't you, see you it. You are correct. That. No, you, you never see it. Well. And then and then, and another time, he sent a kid home. And got thrown out at home too. So for the the, the last out, but uh, should have held him at third. Anyway, just uh, a right. side a side note there. All right, as we uh, move into the weekend, when we come back, let's talk with Sep and also uh, want to know you guys feeling on range finders in professional golf. Hey, you're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Back in just a couple minutes. SEC Sports, like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. As a night 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Very humid this afternoon. A few scattered showers and storms around through early tonight. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with scattered thunderstorms again by afternoon. The high tomorrow at 91. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 86 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big noon sports. I hope you had a great week, had a safe fourth, and we had of the weekend. Uh, wishes for the same. Lars, uh, the U.S. Open women's golf tournament is being played, and I guess it was first round yesterday, yes. Matarika Vontikvia. I think I got that right, or I may have totally destroyed it. Uh, anyway, um, she was through five holes and was DQ'd because her caddy continued to use a rangefinder. Now, rangefinders are allowed in a lot of tournaments, not the United States Open. Do you think rangefinders should be allowed in all forms of golf? Uh, no, not professional golf. I think uh, there is a skill to um, you know, figuring out the yardage, figuring out the slope and the pitch, and you know, just doing all the calculations that are necessary to figure out what the real distance is. I mean, now with the rangefinder, and I told you, like I, I, I suckered my ex-wife into giving me a rangefinder uh, by using my son. That was horrible. I'm a horrible person, but uh, I, we don't need to share that story again, even though I just did. Um, but but the rangefinder. All I the, got the, was the, an old the, T-shirt. <laughs> yeah it says i'm with stupid um i am no stupid. i am stupid yeah sorry <laughs> um yeah i mean you know a rangefinder can tell you what the real distance is and then what or what the actual distance is and then what the real distance is when you factor in uh the slope 
And so, uh, yeah, I, I think you definitely should not be able to use a rangefinder uh, on the uh, anywhere in professional golf, men's or women's. What What are your thoughts on that? I don't like it either. Um, I think sometimes you, technology takes over for the responsibilities of the caddy and the golfer. Come on, isn't yeah. that why you play practice rounds? Isn't that why caddies walk their own distance and keep their own notes? I think it's all part of the game, and I, I think that's, uh, I guess, is this the word proper? Is It's a little bit cheating. Now, yeah, if it it's is. Matt I mean, Morris and playing old Overton, wow. uh, I think no, it's okay. Yeah, I think every absolutely. advantage I can get. Yeah, I mean, for for weekend duffers like you and me, I think it's perfectly legit and fine. But I mean, you've seen so. Well, it looks like we have lost Matt and Lars for the time being. Uh, we're going to try to get them back. Uh, let's see here. Uh, in the Matt, you you got me, Matt? Yeah, I don't know what happened. Uh, my sister-in-law came in here. Maybe she unplugged. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, that's that's enough on the golf thing. Let's just uh, maybe uh, Lars will redial here. Seth, what are you doing, man? You're leaving us. Penalty flag on Sep Shirey. <laughs> yeah, um, this is my last day. Uh, it, it feels weird, that's for sure. But uh, I'll be moving back to Richmond, Virginia with my family and uh, applying for jobs in the Richmond area for the most part. Uh, but I'm definitely not tied down there. I'm just looking for, uh, you know, full-time opportunities. And the time had come. I haven't seen a lot of my grandparents and family still since I graduated. So it'll be nice to get back and see everyone. And yeah, uh, new new adventures. Still looking at sports media, so there's a chance I'll pop up on sports radio in the Richmond area here soon. But we'll see. I hope so. Uh, what made you go to the University of Alabama? I'm assuming you were you're a Virginian. Oh, it's honestly a lot of things, uh, <laughs> a lot of things. But it really my my interest in Alabama, I'll be honest, started with uh, Terrence Cody the the rocky block really captured me as a little kid and basically uh i, I kind of kept my eye on alabama football just as a kid obviously no one in my family was an alabama fan but then what definitively uh made up my mind is i came down here in eighth grade i was about 13 years old uh, i came down for a hunting trip through a uh, program and basically i got to see tuscaloosa i got to see um, a lot of West Alabama. I'd never been to Alabama before. And seeing the campus and um, just really it won me over instantly. I, I thought I could definitely see myself going here. And then pretty much from then on out, I uh, visited and obviously came to orientation. And I've been, for the most part, living in Tuscaloosa since August of 2018. So this is uh, it's definitely a bittersweet moment. Going to be heading back on Sunday. But I've thoroughly enjoyed my time at the university and the degree I got and um, it's been an honor and a privilege to cover sports and cover Alabama sports which I now love so much hey um how many national championships has Alabama won in football since you've been in Tuscaloosa one or two only one uh 2020 um we have uh, I, we had the the two uh, second and 26th year that was right before I okay. I came down here and then 
Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of close run-ins, but maybe only one national championship, but a lot of classic football games. I'll be able to tell my kids, uh, tell people, you know, 40 years from now about that 2019 Alabama LSU game and uh, numerous other contests and all the basketball, the tremendous basketball that I've had the privilege of watching, all the great players. Um, and yeah, writing about it, being able to write about it and talk about it on the radio occasionally and uh, it's been it's been awesome. It's been an honor and a privilege. And, you know, wherever I end up next, I, I doubt that it's something Bama-centered. We'll have to see. But um, it's been really cool to be able to uh, have a platform to talk and uh, discuss Alabama athletics and great people to do it with, including y'all. Do you have a favorite event that you've covered? Oh, man. Um, or attended? Attended. That's a tough one. Um I did. I, I did have the privilege of covering this past softball uh, super regional, so I got to see the team at their peak. Uh, Montana's last elite performance there, um, which was definitely special. Um, but man, the best sporting event I attended. I was in attendance for the Alabama Houston basketball game in Alabama, um, where JD Davison made the block. That was an incredible game. Oh yeah. Uh, man, numerous basketball games, obviously many football games. And I'll tell you what, I'll put the this past season, uh, Alabama and Texas A&M with Jalen Milrow, I'll, I'll put that game up there with any of them. That was an electric environment and maybe the loudest I've ever heard Brian Denny in my time as a student. Yeah, that got a little dicey, didn't it, Sep? <laughs> that was an intense game. It was loud, um, but that's part of what made it so fun. Um, and obviously there was the whole deal with Jimbo Fisher being in town, and that was the first game after all those comments. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so many fun of times, and I'm so appreciative for all of it, and I'll, I'll remember it forever, and uh, hopefully I'll ingrain it into my career, future career as uh, sports media, whatever that may look like. Well, you holler if you need anything. Obviously, you have our numbers and our emails and our clean feeds and everything else. So, you know, you probably know better than, uh, with the exception of my wife, how to get in touch with us. So, um, hey, Absolutely, you've guys. been great. You've been great and uh, much success in, in your career. I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much, guys. All right. Uh, that wraps up a holiday week. We'll do it all again on Monday. Lars, have a great weekend, man. You too. Hey, Sep, thank you for everything. You've been great. Ditto. Appreciate it, guys. Going to miss it. The all-new 